I am really not hitting on all four cylinders here this morning. Sorry about that. So um, in our gospel lesson today, in Mark chapter 13, uh, we find Jesus at the temple. And uh, uh, you know, people are talking about how it all looks and how incredible it is and how amazing and everything. And uh, um, I, I've never been there. Have you? I, I certainly haven't, didn't see it the way that Jesus did. So I, I looked around and um, I, I think that maybe Peter took this photograph that day. Um, and when you think about the temple at Jesus' time, this is what they, they actually think that it looks like, a model of it. And, you know, look at the grandeur. Look at how amazing, how beautiful. Um, you know, you, you have these huge, huge stones stacked upon each other. Something, it, this, this looks really, really well built. It looks really solid. This thing, this thing, it looks permanent, doesn't it? In fact, could we argue that, that that looks like something that would stand forever? Like it's eternal. But was it? No. In, in fact, you know, as the, uh, the disciples are going gaga over the building, Jesus says to them, you see those great big stones? Not one of them is going to be left on top of the other. And we know that in 70 A.D., um, the, uh, uh, the Jews revolted against the Romans and the Romans came and uh, they tore it all down. And not one stone was left on top of the other. I mean, they, they completely destroyed it. And this was a big deal. You know, it isn't just a matter of, you know, losing their church. The temple um, was this, well, it, as far as they were concerned, it was God's presence. It had like this sacramental aspect to it. Imagine being told that you could never, ever receive the Lord's Supper again. That's kind of like what losing the temple was like for the, for the Jews of that time. You know, is, is God even with us? That, that would be the question that that would raise. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we need a reminder that, that the things of this world... Do not last forever. You know, permanence is an illusion. And this is a lesson uh, that we've been painfully reminded of just, just in the last couple months here, really. You know, here's, here's Mexico Beach, Florida. Hurricane Michael came through. That was like five weeks ago, right? There used to be a lot of standing structures through there. It was a vibrant little community. And now it's pretty much wiped out by wind and water. And, you know, it's just, just amazing. Or how about this? Paradise, California? Man, oh, man. Talk about, you know, you expect something to last forever. You kind of expect your home to last forever, don't you? And they're just gone. Here's our Savior Lutheran Church, Paradise, California. Think about the courage that that congregation has to have this morning. As they get up and, you know, we very comfortably come to our church and, and they, don't, they don't have a building anymore. And what are they going to do? 
You know, and, and I would suspect that you know, already some of them are thinking about we're rebuilding, the mission continues, you know, the, the work is, is still needs to be done. Um, but man, oh man, what a, what a difficult moment. What a difficult time for them. And it puts me in mind of, of Isaiah 40, verse 8, where it says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. You know, it, these things that we consider to be permanent, they're not. I mean, even our own bodies. And some of you, some of you, 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 you get this better than I do. You know, I'm 46. I ran a half marathon yesterday, and my ribs hurt. I move certain ways. I'm like, oh, yeah, there are some muscles there that are not happy with me. I bet you that, well, I mean, if I ran when I was 20, which I didn't, but, you know, a 20-year-old does that, and he has a different experience. My son Josh ran it with me. I I bet you he gets up this morning, he's like, ta-da, I'm fine. You know, because when you're a teenager, you you heal overnight, you know, and and you you, you feel good. But I've got to, you know, and like I said, some of you know this better than I do. These bodies, they're breaking down, aren't they, over time, and they don't heal as quickly as they used to. The grass withers, the flower fades. So what's permanent? What lasts? What is it that we have our hope in? It's in the word of the Lord. Our hope is not bound up in a building. Our Savior Lutheran Church in Paradise, their hope is not in that building. Our hope rests on Jesus. The message of the cross That just as it says in Hebrews, he gave himself as that one final lasting sacrifice that atones for all sins. He was crucified for our sins, but he's risen. He will come again. And that's a part of the story that I think sometimes we forget. You know, I I think sometimes we have this mental image that we're going to die and we're going to go to heaven. End of story. But that's not the end of the story. We're going to die. We're going to go to heaven. But Jesus is going to come again and he's going to raise our bodies. He's going to give us permanent bodies to live with him in glory. And so even now, as we live, we live in the midst of destruction all around us. There's all kinds of chaos in this world. We all have personal tragedies and and sorrows that we experience. And really, when we think about it, our hope really is that this is not permanent. That there's something better. And that better is what God has promised us. That no matter how our earthly circumstances go, our our, our God is present with us. And he promises to be with us in his word and in his sacraments. He hears our prayers He gives us hope, and he guides us through this world into a new creation, a creation where justice is real, where there's no more sickness, where there's no more death, where there's no more more famine or destruction. Suffering and sorrow are gone. You know, Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
We usually read that, you know, at a, a funeral. Often, I read it at the cemetery as we are walking from the hearse to the gravesite. But the more I think about that passage, the more I realize that when it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's not when I die. This, what we're doing right now, is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. As death is hanging over us, kind of casting its shadow, it's always kind of looming in the future for us. And God says, you know what, I'm going to see you through that. And I'm going to get you to the other side of it. My rod and my staff, they're going to comfort you as you go through this. And I am going to bring you to a good place. A place of feasting. A a, a place of rejoicing in his presence. And surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And we're going to experience that in all of its fullness on the last day. Now, I stand by everything that I've said in terms of, you know, our hope is in Jesus. It's not in buildings and everything like that. But I got to admit that it feels a little bit ironic talking about that uh, in a moment where we're doing all kinds of work to improve our building, to improve the, the facility that we call our church, maybe even to expand it, you know, to look at what we're doing here. But I, I want to pause for a moment and think about what Jesus said to his disciples that day. Did Jesus say that buildings don't matter? No. No, he did not. You know, God is a God uh, who comes near to us. He's not a a God who is far off, and, and he's not just concerned about spiritual things. I think sometimes there's this impression out there that, you know, as long as you believe something, you know, everything's going to be okay, as long as I'm somewhat spiritual, as though the physical part of life really doesn't matter that much. But remember, God is the one who created the world. He's the one who created this physical reality that that we are in. He created our bodies. Our bodies matter. And he makes us to be spiritual, yes, but he also makes us physical. We're both. We have both of those things going on in us. And sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, God only cares about the spirit. No, he cares about the spiritual and the physical. You know, we believe in the resurrection of the body. You know, it's not we die and we kind of float in heaven forever. We rise again. And God likes to work through, through means, or, or in other words, he, he likes to put the message of the gospel in some kind of a physical vehicle. So, baptism, for instance. You know, some people, they look at baptism and they, they, they see this kind of, you know, mystical mumbo-jumbo. But what we see is that God has placed his promises in connection with his word and combining it with water in order to bring life and forgiveness. So he says, baptize people. Okay. And so we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's doing his work through that water, through that physical element to bring salvation to somebody. Or, or the Lord's Supper. I love how we talk about the Lord's Supper, that we receive Jesus' body and blood. Prove me wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, we take that by faith. 
But you, you put that under a microscope, even if you've died and it's still there in your stomach, what are you going to see? Bread and wine, right? Okay, do, that, that, that should not be controversial at all. But in, with, and under that bread and wine, we receive Jesus' body and blood. I love that phrase, in, with, and under. It's kind of like saying, I don't know how this happens, but I believe that it does. Why do I believe that it does? Because God says that it does. That's what Jesus has promised. And God uses places. This isn't the same as the word in the sacraments. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, I have promised this place. That was the temple. That's not all these churches that we have, you know, all, all dotting our, our landscape all throughout the United States, all around the world. But he blesses places where the word is preached, where the sacraments are administered, as places to meet him, to experience his, his salvation. And in a sense, buildings are tools, tools in God's hands. They act as symbols of God's presence. You know, people, if they notice our church, which, I mean, is debatable because I keep talking with people and, and oh, you're at Gloria Day? Where's that? Well, if you go down Ravenna Street, it's up on the hill on the right-hand side. There's a church up there? Yes, there's a church up there. Um, you know, when people see churches, they're reminded somebody believes in God. And it's like God is being whispered into their lives. But these buildings that we build, they're places to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to receive God's gifts, especially forgiveness, but also the gifts that he gives us in, in, in other holy moments, times that we celebrate. So Wednesday we're going to be here, 7 o'clock, to celebrate Thanksgiving which isn't even a Christian holiday per se, but it is a good and right for us as the people of God to give thanks to the creator of all things? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back here in a little while and we'll be celebrating Christmas in here, remembering what God has done to bring salvation to us. And then a little later than that, we will have Easter in here. And then we're going to have Baptisms in here, and there will be weddings in here. And all of that is God speaking into our lives in these great and glorious moments. But it's not always great and glorious moments, is it? And sometimes we gather in this place to grieve. And that's a holy moment too, isn't it? When we gather for funerals, sorrowful, missing the person who has died, but also facing that moment with courage and with hope because of God's promises to look death in the eye and to say to it, you don't get the last word. Jesus does. And we come together in times of tragedy to be reminded that God is still God, that his promises do not fail. And we come here to grow, to encourage to walk together in faith. These buildings that we call churches, they're places to welcome people. You know, we talk about gathering people to Christ. This is one of our tools to gather, to welcome. And it's a place that we reach out from. Not all of our work is to happen here. 
But this is kind of like home base. And we go out from here into the world. You know, and so this is this concept picture of what the, the, the uh, narthex might look like, although I know that we're not going to do the coffee bar. So for those of you who are worried about that, you can, you can put that off of the list at the moment anyhow. But I, just, this, just this last two weeks, I was listening to two different experts on church growth, independent of each other. They were talking about what do, you, what do you do to make your church grow? And one of the things they talked about were how your facilities can help or hinder. Both of them, completely independent of each other, two different interviews, said your narthex should be at least as big as your sanctuary. I'm like, that's huge. Because they need to have place where people can come together. People need space. They need room for relationships, for life together, room to welcome guests, room to enjoy each other. You see, when we start talking about buildings, buildings matter. Well, well, they matter because people matter. And our building can alternately help to draw people, or it can be a stumbling block, as our doors were. Remember that? That post in the middle, and then we had the little bump there that people would trip over? That literally, a stumbling block. You know, and thanks be to God that that's been repaired and, and is better now. But... You know, we think about these things, not because they're permanent, but because of how it impacts people. And that does have permanence involved with it. You know, Starbucks spends a lot of time and a lot of money on the design of their stores. Why? Because they want to create an atmosphere that's going to draw people in so that they can make money. We do well to give thought to how these walls, these rooms, help or hinder us in accomplishing the mission. Gathering people to Christ, building believers in Christ, and serving the world as Christ. Not just how we experience this building, but how others do. And so we need to think about things like handicap accessibility, hospitality, Welcome. Why? Well, because these things show love. This is part of how we love our neighbor. That when they come here, we have a place for them. So, take a look at this building. It's a beautiful place. I love the floor, the color. It's gorgeous in here. The pyramids. Uh, the, the, so many things are so wonderful about this facility. It is, it is beautiful. But why is it beautiful? It's beautiful because this is where God meets us. It's beautiful because the Holy Spirit teaches us, comforts us, leads us, guides us, coming from this room. The Lord Jesus offers us and delivers to us life and salvation. And that's what makes a church beautiful. And that's what will make any kind of addition that we do beautiful too. So I'm I'm running long here. I apologize. But uh, let me ask just a question here and wrap it up. Do you think this building will still be here in 100 years? It could be. 500? 1,000? 
Probably not. But Gloria Day could be. Or some group of people who hope in Christ and gather around his word and sacraments. And that's really what we're building here. Not a structure, but a people. A gathering of believers. Folks who shine like stars to turn people to righteousness, to draw people, to lead people to Jesus so that they may have everlasting life. And this building is one of the earthly tools that we use to build that people. But the word of the Lord, the message of Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, is truly what builds the church. Amen.